Library, and today on page 137, out of the James Dobson, When God Doesn't Make Sense, book, question six. Whenever Christians talk about pain and suffering, someone can be counted on to quote Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But how can that be true literally? You have acknowledged that Christians go through the same kind of suffering that unbelieving people do. So how can it be said that their difficulties somehow work together for good? Answer 6. First, it must be noted from the scripture that Paul didn't say all things were good. He wasn't claiming that death, sickness, and sorrow were really positives in disguise. But he did tell us that God has promised to take these hardships and bring good from them. As long as what happens to me is within the perfect will of the Father, I have no reason to fear, even if it costs me my life. It is an article of our faith that we can trust Him to do what is best, even if it appears contrary to our own wishes or of the prevailing attitudes of the day. I'll answer the question in a different way. The laws of physics tell us that energy in the universe is never lost. It is simply transformed from one state to another. So it is with human experience. Nothing is ever lost entirely. God uses every happening to accomplish his divine purposes. For examples, I mentioned in chapter 1 that Jim Elliot and his companions were speared to death by Warani Indians in Ecuador. Their sacrifice seemed like an unmitigated tragedy and a total waste of human life. In God's scheme of things, however, it had a purpose. Each of those Indians came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior in the years that followed. The gospel was firmly planted among the tribesmen. Thus, Elliot and his fellow missionaries will rejoice throughout eternity with the men who took their lives. That is good, Romans 8.28. Then must be interpreted from this eternal perspective rather than a temporary earthborn point of view. And there's more examples, but I want to insert right here. That's true with the book that um, a man called Peter that um, Catherine Marshall wrote about her husband. Um, When he died, she published his sermons and different things. And more people were touched by his life after his death than had been touched while he was living. And I believe that's going to be true of my husband's book if I ever chop chop. (laughs) My daughter's in chop chop. That means get with it. Um, Get it published. I'm... um, I've been gathering up some stuff, and um, i got to type out some sermons and different things and try to get that together. But I believe that's true. And one of my nieces posted yesterday about how she prayed so hard for one of her friends to get healed. She prayed, she cried so hard, and she died. The girl died. And um, my niece was saying that she was... You know, why? She's asking God, why? And she felt, <laughs> she heard as plain as I'll get it, says, I didn't answer your prayers because I answered hers. And I know that's so true. My husband and other ones too. My husband said, Lisa, you're going to be mad, but I've been praying that if God's not going to heal me, that he'll just take me. And it was his time to go. I know that I just miss him. <laughs> I cry because I miss him. That's, and that's, that's to be expected, right? But I do know that God took my husband because he was ill. And then also, I got to write this book. All things will work for good and for good. It's just hard for us to understand. <laughs> we want things to go on as they was. And they're not. Things won't get done. <laughs> Sometimes things won't get done until we 
um, had these hurdles in our life, and I read, I was reading something or listening to something the other day, exactly like that. I, oh, I listened to a sermon, and he was saying, "What you gonna do when you come to these roadblocks in your life? What you gonna do? You know, it's the time you you." It's time for you to act. This is the time that you can do those things that you couldn't do before. This is the time when you can um, not become bitter, but become better. You know, it's like, um, let's get on with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And so, um, it all comes to that. It's uh, from heaven's point of view. From heaven's point of view. God has a purpose and a plan and a reason. And our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. We don't. We're not supposed to live forever. And when our bodies wear down and break down, and um, just you know, when our time's up, it's up. That's why we got to make every day count. Every day is a gift from God. That's why it's called the present. Okay, I'm still on page one. I'm on one thirty-eight. There are innumerable other examples. Remember the death of Stephen, the first martyr. What was accomplished for God by the terrible stoning of this faithful apostle? Well, it caused the early believers to flee from Roman persecution. As they went, they carried the news of Jesus' death and resurrection to the far reaches of the known world. The church was planted in countless communities and cities where the good news would not otherwise have been heard. Let's cite an illustration closer to home. A few months ago, we received a phone call here at Focus on the Family from a Mr. Greg, Greg Krebs, K-R-E-B-S. He wanted to get a message through to me, and this is what he told our telephone representative. He and his wife have a 21-year-old son named Chris, whom they had been advised to abort when still in the womb. They chose to give him life, and he was born with cerebral palsy. He is also profoundly retarded. Mentally challenged is what we say now. His parents do not regret their decision to bring him into the world because they believe that all life is precious. They are thankful for this son who has touched their lives in warm and wonderful ways. God has used him as he is, Mr. Krebs said. Then he described something that happened when Chris was just seven years old. He said, My wife worked in a hospital at the time, and I had taken Chris with me to pick her up. She was late getting off, so Chris and I waited for her in one of the family rooms. There was another man there who was not well-dressed and, in fact, was a little smelly. I went to the nurse's station to ask how much longer my wife would, my wife would be, and when I returned, I saw Chris sitting by the man. The man was sobbing, and I wondered what Chris had done to offend him. I began to apologize. I'm sorry if my son offended you, I said. The man said, offended me? Offended me? Your son is the only person who has hugged me in the last 20 years. I realized at that moment Chris had a more Christ-like love for this man than I did. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Krebs, for loving and valuing your son despite his limitations. I agree wholeheartedly that there is no junk in God's value system. God doesn't make junk. He loves every one of us the same, and he uses each person, even the profoundly and mentally challenged, to accomplish some part of his purpose. He will also use your pain, although it's not always immediately impossible to interpret it. To repeat my thesis, when we submit ourselves to the sovereign will of the Lord, we can say with confidence that on all things, yes, in all things, God works for the good of them who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I know right after my husband died, it seems like people were saying, God is good, God is good. It's like, yes, I know God is good, but I miss my husband. You know, I didn't feel like I was getting the sympathy or compassion, but people don't know what to say. People don't know what to say. They try to comfort you the best, and in time you realize they said the best thing they could say because God is good. God is sovereign. He has a purpose and a plan. And um, 
this Saturday, I celebrated my 39th anniversary only without my husband. So I know some people, I, some people are like, why did she even celebrate? I mean, her husband's not here. I don't know that people said that. I'm just saying they could have because appearance, you know, uh, by all appearances, you know, um, he's not here. So, I mean, it, so is it really a, a wedding anniversary? But yes, because true love never dies. That's my way of thinking. And, um, I just, I, I didn't get some, um, well wishes from, um, some people that I kind of was hoping, you know, it seemed like, uh, some of the family on both sides didn't, you know, say anything about it. But other people did. Even my neighbor, she brought me some flowers to brighten my day. She didn't say anything about my anniversary. So I don't know if she was just bringing them because she felt led to bring them. Or if it was because she, maybe she did from Facebook know that it was my anniversary. She, but she was just brightening my day. And other people, my kids, oh my word, all my kids, all my daughters, um, did, went over and above. And my grandkids went over and above to make my day special and uh, you know you don't worry about what you don't got you thank God for what you do have because God has put some great people in my life and he has he has done so much he's opened doors I couldn't see he's made ways for me and that's what I got to reflect on so yeah I miss my husband I miss him every day but I know I I'm like a broken record on this when he was alive, he wasn't here. Like right now, this is Monday. He'd be out on the trash route, and then when he'd come home, we'd eat a little, would eat a quick meal together, and then he'd go to bed because he had work, he would have to work tonight. And that was the kind of cycle. That was the life. That I know, but those few minutes that I got with him, <laughs> they were the highlights of my day. <laughs> Y'all understand that. You all know that. You all know that that I missed my husband when he was alive. In fact, that was our conversation. So I miss you, honey. I miss you, Mark. I miss you too, Lisa. That was that was one of the things we said a lot. I love you, Mark. I love you too, Lisa. You know. <laughs> so even though he's gone, I could still <laughs> I can still hear him say it because I know that's how that was how I had to be because he worked so hard. He did what he felt was his purpose, what he felt like he needed to do. A man is a man has to provide for his home. And he always wanted to do to better us. He always wanted to. He he was always striving for, you know, the things of this life that you want. You know, you want you want to provide a nice house and nice cars or not not fancy. We didn't. We weren't fancy people, but um, the best that we could with what we had. But you know, this life is um, the things of this life. <laughs> This old house I'm living in is needing repairs. The windows and the shutter, you know that song. But, you know, we have laid up for us treasures in heaven. That's what's important. That's what's important. So keep focused on that today. Let's point others to the cross. Jesus is coming soon, and we must, we must lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And we will have sheaves. And my husband is going to have sheaves in heaven. People that's going to be touched by his life even after he's gone. I know it. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. So you pray for me as I try to write his book and as I go on doing the podcast and our um, online devotions and the different the Bridge Publishing. You pray that I can get the Bridge Publishing house going so we can get our stuff published. God bless you. Have a great day. Love you. Bye-bye.